Hello, Marcy. Hello, Dee. Hello, everybody. Uh, let's see. Um, I am going to announce and pin this message that our season two will be starting in uh next week on Monday. Woo! We're gonna <laughs> we're gonna change our um our date that we're going live. Um that way it looks like more people get on uh, on Mondays. So hopefully we can get grab some more people's attention. Um so uh let's us start with the intro and wait for some people to join us. So here we go. Welcome to Umbrella Rebellion. I'm Marcy. And I'm Dee. We are finding healing after leaving a cult. We will be discussing abuse and personal experience with the ATI, IBLP, and fundamental churches. Trigger warning. This podcast may contain descriptions of various forms of abuse. Please take care for your safety and well-being while you are listening. If the content becomes too much for you to handle, please turn this off. We hope to expose harmful teachings that lead to and justify abuse. With the hope that those that are experiencing abuse can find support and escape from it. Okay. Right. It's been a crazy couple of weeks for me. How have you been, Marcy? It's been a little nuts around here, too. (laughs) Dead car, (laughs) dead AC, dead lawnmower, you name it, it happened. (laughs) Yeah, I now recall that all of that happened to you last week. (laughs) (laughs) All in like like two days. What's up with this? So crazy. That is so crazy. Um, So I want to introduce our new moderator. That would be my husband. (laughs) (laughs) He watches. (laughs) I love how supportive my husband is. He's sitting in the chair over there. You can't see him, but. (laughs) Um, So today we are going to be talking about relationships after trauma. Um, or relationships after the cult, that kind of thing. I had a comment on our trying to figure out how to get to the places. I'm so like discombobulated today. So, same um, here. We'll just swing it. <laughs> oh my gosh. So, we had a comment on when I had posted about us going live. And one of the commenters, if I can figure out how to do this. Let's see. There we go. Um, It was Tracy Riggs. And she said that she's getting married in October. Both her, her and her fiance went to the basic um, Institute of Youth Conflicts and grew up with that mentality. Her first marriage had failed in part because of these beliefs. And she says, what would you tell someone getting married who is trying to shed those lies? Which is, I mean, that's such a great question, right? Yeah, very valid. Very valid question. So, um, you know, I guess, um, you know, having been in it ourselves, right? And um, I've been remarried, you know, since getting out of it. You're, you know, you had gotten out of it, then got married and got divorced. 
Um, and I know you had kind of done a lot of deconstruction, you know, after your divorce. So, um, I guess, you know, maybe let's start with some things that you've done, I guess, since then to maybe like prepare for new relationships. Um, I camera went off, but um, nope. let me see if I can You're... hold on just a minute. Okay. Let's start it again. Um, I think. Hold on just a minute. I don't know why I did that. Hmm. Can you, you can't see me at all. Can you? Uh, you're frozen. Try I'm to frozen. refresh. Okay. There you are. There we go. All right. Now, where were we? <laughs> we were at talking about like what you've done to like prepare for, you know, like since your divorce, like how are you preparing for new relationships post cult? Okay. Post cult. Mm, I would say um, the nitty gritty of it, just the, um, would be, <sighs> when those thoughts or those lies come up that I address them immediately. So let me see if I can think of a example. Um, if I, if I notice that I'm just reacting to my children or a situation and with one of the cults lies in my head, then I try to deconstruct that. That's little ways as far as preparing for, or having gone through other relationships since then, um, I just think just learning to listen to myself, that trusting my gut and trusting, um, because that wasn't taught in the cult. We didn't trust yourself at all. And, and women weren't to be listened to. And so just trusting me, like if my gut says it's off, then it's off. <laughs> or if my right. gut says yes, then, you know, that kind of thing. Um, I'm trying to think of other more sub you know, substantial ways that I've done it. I don't know. Do you have any thoughts on that for you? Um, I think, um, the main thing that I did for myself, like, I guess like post-divorce was, mm -hmm. you know, just focusing on my kids, um, for the, you know, majority of the first couple of years. And then once I kind of got a few years post divorce, I started dismantling the belief systems. Right. And so mm -hmm. it was kind of a, a process of trying to like establish my baseline of beliefs. Like mm -hmm. I, I don't know, like if I believe this, this, and this, and this, but I know, like, like I said, like recently in one of our episodes, I believe in God, I believe in Jesus and I believe in the Holy spirit. And that was like, I had to get down to what is the absolute minimal that I believe in. Right. And mm -hmm. then just mm -hmm. trying to take like each thing, you know, um, when it comes to marriage, what do I feel about gender roles? Do I mm -hmm. believe that's necessary, important? What, if any gender roles do I want to have in my relationship? Um, mm -hmm. you know, do I want my husband to be the one that takes out the trash and fixes the cars or, <laughs> Yes. I think, I think that was a lot of what I've had to do too. Um, I had done some de de deconstruction before marriage and then I had to do some more 
and plus the abuse in between while married, then I had to do some more afterwards. And I think one of my main things is that um, there were some things that were not discussed before marriage or within the marriage um, before I got divorced. They just were off the table or it wasn't a mutual partnership um, thing. It was his way or the highway. And so going, coming out of that and thinking forward for other relationships, or as I've worked through several since then, um, was that there's nothing off the table. Everything needs to be discussed. Finances, um, physicalness, what, what, what kids, raising kids, like anything, anything and everything, all of it needs to be discussed at some point, you know, however that's appropriate. And then that there needs to be brutal honesty and understood. And there's an understanding that that is, you know, we're not going to be soft on one another. <laughs> you really right. have to say it exactly how you feel it. Um, and that way there's that lays the basis for truth there, which was not either in the cold or in my marriage at all. So I think that's been, and I think that's helped me hash out to what I really think, like what I think and what I want and what are negotiables for me in relationship and what are not, um, you know, um, how much I want it to be like gender roles that you were saying, like, am I okay with him taking out the trash or doing the car and, or, you know, how much of a partnership that is like, right. <laughs> you know, type of thing. Yeah. <laughs> or when I want to say me do it, I'm a strong woman and I can do it myself. Right. Um, so, you know, Jeremy and I like really got into the like really deep questions really fast, you know, um, mm -hmm. it, I, I was like so tired of wasting my time with the dating apps and the people and they just want to, you know, play games. And the first question, I think we kind of, um, one of the first, I would say is kind of like, do you want any more kids? You know? Yes. <laughs> yes. 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 Cause you know, mm -hmm. at that point when I met him, I was done and, yeah. um, he was also done and I'm like, okay, pass that test. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yes, that was one of the biggest ones for me. Also faith, because when I was married, I had walked away from the faith for a little bit, not completely, but wasn't, um, I was still trying to figure out where I was with that after the cult. And so consequently walked away. Well, after the divorce, that became a, that became a more important thing for me. And I kind of came back to it and have defined what I think and where I stand. And so that's a thing that I've get into immediately. <laughs> what about kids? <laughs> what about religion? Because <laughs> that's right. super, super important. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for, for me, it wasn't really important that my partner had like, um, religion, mm -hmm. you know, some type of faith. And I honestly was like, as long as I'm being treated well, I honestly don't care. Um, because the important, the importance to me was how that person treated other people and especially me and my children, you know? Yes. So, yes. um, I kind of branched away from just narrowing it down to Christians, quote unquote, because oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> my experience with them was not good. <laughs> yes. Yes. I I'd have to say, yeah, I'm not picky. I wasn't particularly picky about, um, because I don't particularly like to, I haven't put myself in a box of a particular, uh, um, denomination. And so I, I didn't 
put anybody else in a box either, but also I still wanted some kind of Christian faith basis, you know, um, yeah. in it. And so I knew that that was going to be somewhat important there with that. Um, I think the top, I had like three things on the top of, I made a list of like 10 things. The three top things were like, he has to be kind. He needs to have kindness toward others because that means he will be kind with us. Mm -hmm. And so kindness was one of the top things. Also had to be a Harry Potter fan. <laughs> one or the other, both is great. <laughs> if you're a real nerd, then wonderful. <laughs> so yeah. common, common, common likes and dislikes. It had to be some commonness there. Um, yeah. We have a few people uh, watching us. So if you're, you're new here, you know, give us a comment, tell us hi, let us know who you are. If you're returning, you know, let us know who you are so we can see who's come back to see us. So, yeah. Welcome. Welcome. Yes. We're glad you're here. Uh, we hope that you're doing well on this Tuesday night and we're talking about relationships after trauma um, and, or, you know, religious cults or abuse. So, um, if you have any pointers, we had a question from one of our viewers about how to navigate, um, you know, like dismantling the, the thoughts and getting prepared to be married because she's engaged and both in her and her fiance had attended what used to be like the original, institute um and basic life principles basic seminar it was the basic youth conflict seminar so um so i think the basic seminar started in the 80s so um so anyway um let's see what else do, did we talk about before we got married oh hello ashley nice to see you so happy to be back with y'all. We are happy to Yay. be back. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I missed the last one, so I'm glad to be back. Yeah, I'm so glad that uh, Michelle was able to come in. That was a really good one. We had fun. That so awesome. I was so glad she was able to come. Yeah. So we, um, I did extend an offer to, um, I've just started working with a nonprofit called Vashti Initiative, and I did extend an offer for anyone that was a volunteer. They wanted to jump in and um, talk with us about this. They could. So we may or may not have a special guest today. <laughs> <laughs> I know everybody's so busy with the summer. So um, it really yeah. is busy. Yeah. yeah. Hello, other Ashley, Ashley with the with an I and uh, Ashley with a Y. <laughs> we got all the Ashleys here today. Um, yeah. So let's see. Another thing that I was thinking about that Jeremy and I. <laughs> Sorry, I'm having a kitten got out. Oh, this, no. <laughs> this thing, this thing's causing other problems. Say hello, everyone. Meow. Yeah. She's causing problems. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she was supposed to be pissed. <laughs> I guess that can do be a segue into what about pets? <laughs> so, yes. <laughs> How do you feel about pets is a good thing because, mm -hmm. you know, I don't know, like it seemed like there was so much emphasis put on like being selfless and serving that a lot yes. of times pets yes. were not really a priority in mm -hmm. the cult. Um, I mean, mm -hmm. I know like us as a family, we had multiple pets throughout our lives. We kind of like 
was very rare for us not to have a pet. Um, but I just kind of noticed that that wasn't something that was as common with the families and the cults. And I, I don't know if you have any more insight on that because. Um, I think most of the people that I knew had pets, um, or at least one, at least one, although I don't remember them being kind of like, uh, to me, dogs are part of the family, uh, the animals, the pets are part of the family. So, and, but I don't think it was really treated that way. Um, too much. I gotcha. Um, we always had cats. We didn't have dogs. That's a little different. Cats are kind of their own thing. <laughs> They're very dogs, independent. <laughs> yes. Dogs are more part of the family as far as a unit, <laughs> just by nature of their, yeah. their, um, personalities but yeah um so i don't know if um you knew this and i think i did talk to you about it and you may have listened to it but we had um jeremy and i did a podcast for a while and i was supposed to be running both of them but this one has sucked all of my time so (laughs) we haven't been able to really um do any more episodes um but i wanted to share a link to one of our episodes that we did and it was on blended families so i'm going to pop that in the chat um so it kind of just goes over like how we decided how we were going to integrate our families together um (laughs) our dogs are definitely um Yes, our dogs are so needy, honey. I agree. Um, Ashley says, I thought of you guys. We live close to David Waller's IFB church in Fort Worth, Texas. My husband's boss is a homeschool dad with 10 kids. They visited the Waller's church and said David Waller constantly quoted, oh, really? Wow. Oh, my gosh. That must have been crazy and wild to to do that. Yeah, he's... Um, I was just reading, I was just reading Ashley's comment that, um, her, um, husband's boss, um, visited the Waller's church. That's the, um, pastor Mm -hmm. that wrote the letter for, um, Josh Mm -hmm. and uh, he was constantly quoting Bill Gothard. So yeah, that's weird. Yeah. Yeah. That just makes me shudder. Um, so anyway, um, this is the link to our, um, our episode. You can click on the chat and click it. Um, it's basically, we kind of just went through the episode of how we decided to like blend the families together. What were our roles as step parents? I had never been a step parent. He had kind of been a step parent. He was um, married with stepchildren once, and then he had a girlfriend with children that he helped parent. So he kind of had a little bit more experience than I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, and I, and it's like, I, I, because my children, well, my two olders were a little bit older. Um, mm-hmm. And there were some things in their past that I really needed to like, set boundaries with um mm-hmm. and i think that has been i guess our our biggest struggle is navigating my children's past um mm-hmm. and how it affects their day to day you know even though a lot of it is 10 12 
even 15 years old, the stuff that's mm-hmm. affected them, you know? Yeah. So, well, trauma sticks um, around for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> 10 kids. Yeesh. That's way too many. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I agree, but there are some people that can do it and all the more power to them, bless them for it. But, you know, three's plenty for me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some people are able to pull it off well. Uh, I knew a few. I also knew a few that, that struggled. <laughs> I mean, technically I have six, but, you know, the two... Jeremy's two older ones are, you know, grown now. So um, <laughs> I didn't really parent them at all. <laughs> so, um, so I'm trying to think of maybe even some, you know, other things preparing to get married that mm-hmm. are important to revisit outside of the belief system. Um, you know, I guess... One of the other things is where you land with, you know, um, intimacy, you know, mm-hmm. are, mm-hmm. are you still, uh, you can't do it until you're married? You know, do you believe in that? Do you think that you need to dabble into that before you get married to see if you're compatible, you know, um, yeah. where are your, where are your boundaries on that? You know, these days, um, yeah. so having, having those discussions before, you get to the wedding day, I think is very important. Um, what's the focus on your intimacy? You know, how are y'all going to invest in that? How are y'all going to, um, invest in each other? Are date nights important to you? You know, um, you know, how communicate how you receive love, you know, Mm -hmm. um, a, a lot of times that's just not even discussed. Um, Especially in the fundamentalism where it's just expected that the men are going to be the rule makers and the women are going to be the followers, right? Like, um, so now I just lost my thought. (laughs) Um, Love languages. Love languages have have been a big tool for me to when I'm talking to someone that I'm, that I'm interested in or somebody that I'm dating, um, or, you know, thinking about getting more serious with that is, um, a tool that I've used several times to say, how do you express it? How do you receive it? This is how I express it. This is how I receive it. Um, there have been times where I've thought, okay, it's not as important if their expression and my receiving don't match. It was important. <laughs> I've learned that about myself. That is not an, and that's not a negotiable for me. Mm-hmm. That doesn't match. Um, that doesn't have to be perfect, but uh, you know, it, that just happened to be one of my key things. So that's a good tool to figure out because I think that's where a lot of the miscommunication comes from in the first place is because you don't realize you're, you, that someone's trying to love you or that they don't, or they don't realize that you're trying to give them love because it doesn't match. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but if somebody is willing to be like, you know, Hey, this is the way that I receive, like for me, it's physical touch and words of affirmation. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know, if somebody was willing to make efforts in those areas, right. And, yes. um, you know, it's not necessarily something that they have to get down right away, but if, it, if they're willing to learn and they're willing to try, that's important, yeah. you know, exactly. So, 
Um, Ashley said, we are debating over the possibility of one. I already raised my four brothers, curse the eldest daughter. So I don't (laughs) have that burning desire to be a mom. Funny parentification. Exactly. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. Because I feel like I raised several siblings too. And they will tell you, they or at least one of them will tell you, or two maybe, but tell you that I did. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So I, um, I wasn't in fundamentalism when I was younger. So, um, and then we have a really big age gap. My brother's nine years younger than me. And then my youngest sister is 20 years younger than me. So, um, I really didn't have that role when I came back home though, I, you know, tried to step in and help some, but you know, I really was, I was working and, you know, going out with friends and stuff. So I wasn't home a whole lot. So I really didn't have that burden. And then my older sister was already in college, you know, and got married and, you know, (laughs) moved away. So she didn't get that treatment. So we kind of missed out on that one, you know? So, um, it just shifted once I was out of the house and at headquarters, it just shifted to the next daughter because there was a boy in between, but it didn't shift to him. It shifted to the next daughter. Yeah. So it was because that was the woman's place. Yeah. So So I guess it, you know, it all depends on where you are in life, right? Like, are you still Mm -hmm. raising children? You know, what is important for you to have in a partner if you're still raising children? Are your children all grown? You know, where is it? Is it important for you to stay in your hometown if your children still live there and they're grown? Um, You know, is travel important to you? Is it feasible for you? Do you both want to work? Um, are y'all retired? Can you, you know, like there's just so many variables and the more of the topics that are important to you. And, and especially if you've been married before, like the things that drove your relationship into the ground previously, like if you Mm -hmm. can address okay, these are my main issues that I didn't receive in my previous marriage that I need to receive in my next relationship. Are you Mm -hmm. capable? Are you willing? (laughs) Yes. Yeah. And willingness can sometimes be the key. I would also say just like the comment that we had from, I forget what her name was, but the comment that we had about remarriage and and both of them having been in Thai BLP. I would ask too, if I, I've never been dated someone that would had been had the same background as I had in, in IBLP or HI. And if they did though, I would think that I would probably have a lot of questions for them right. as far as whether they believed any of that or if they had thrown it all out or kind of where they were in the process of coming out of that too, because it'd be real important for you to know if they're still functioning in some of those thought processes, whether they know they are or not, like mm-hmm. where try to um, navigate where or assess where they are in that process. Because mm-hmm. if you do that again, then you might, you know, bump heads in a, in another time. Don't know what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, if you have a lot of those old thinking patterns still in, then you're going to, to hit brick walls when it comes to those old thinking patterns and kind of like suss those out. Like number Mm -hmm. one, do you think Bill Gothard is a good person? (laughs) Would you go back to the basic seminar? Like Number two, do you have any of the books on your shelf? And if they, if they are, are there for you to, you know, like 
figure out why they're wrong? Or are you still looking at them for reference, right? Like where is your, where is your reference material? What is your reference material? What are your thoughts on, you know, patriarchy? You know, what Mm -hmm. are your thoughts on, you know, headship of the home, um, submissive wife, you know, um, Mm -hmm. are you going to have autonomy as a woman? Um, you know, how is your husband going to address you as a wife? Um, Mm -hmm. you know, um, that would be a huge one right there. But what's his view on patriarchy? Because, um, that I know for me that that would not, it wouldn't fly. It would fly at all. (laughs) I am not going to be a submissive person at all. (laughs) Like if you can't get over that, you don't need to be with me. So, you know, (laughs) <laughs> where are you in that? And are they, do they match you? Because if they match you, great. Um, yeah. But if they don't, then that could cause problems. <laughs> Definitely. And, you know, and you can't really like, I don't think you can get everything out in the open before you get into no. a relationship or get no. married because as things come up in your life, there's new issues that you have to deal with. And yeah, there's times in a relationship where you're going to be triggered and you had mm-hmm. no idea like that was going to happen. Like I didn't know that what you said would trigger me because yeah. you've never said it to me before, you know, like three, four years in, you're like, hold up. <laughs> yes. 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 And I mean, I find all the time that I'm still functioning in some of the thought processes that I learned as a child or in the, in the cult. And I don't even realize it. So the, your, your partner, if they were involved in that too, they may not even realize they are either. So there's no way to know all of that, but you should at least, you know, try to see what you could find out at the beginning. <laughs> right. As, find out as much information as you can. Mm-hmm. Get the top 10 things that are important to you, write them down Mm -hmm. and say, where do we land together with these, you know, and then as you're getting to know somebody, when things come up, you know, try to address them right away, you know, Mm -hmm. don't let them fester and, you know, just be open and honest and confront the hard things. Mm -hmm. So when you are married, the hard things, you know, you know how they're going to respond when you have a hard Mm -hmm. thing, like that was one of the things with Jeremy is that when I had something hard to talk to him about, he received it and he took what I said and we either adjusted or he adjusted, you know? So it's like we both, the goal was for us to be the best partner for each other. Right. And, and even if we do things unintentionally that we adjusted so that we weren't knowingly after when you don't know it's it's one thing but when you mm-hmm. knowingly do something that harms another person it's a completely different dynamic so and i think that's important is your partner actively adjusting to where if you say this hurts me when you say this or this hurts me when you do this and you know even if you talk it out and you're like okay i understand your intentions are different and it's okay for you to do that again, but I just had to work it out. Or if you say, this is a hard stop, you can't do this, you can't say this, it's going to trick trigger me every time. And if they're able to adjust to that, you know? Yeah. 
I think that's been a, a big deal for me. Just um, I've had several relationships since, since then, and that has been a learning process for me. Okay, so how did if if I share that this was a trigger, or I share that this is a problem, or I see something that they do that I'm like red flag, how do they respond? And then I've had several different types of responses, and that helped me learn. Okay, this is a good response. That one's an okay response. That one's a really bad response. Yeah. <laughs> Not what I want. Um, but it taught me how they were going to be able to problem solve later, and that told me whether they would be a good partner or not. That's awesome. Yeah. So Ashley says, my husband told my dad that we don't subscribe to gender roles. I swear my dad's head, my dad's head almost exploded. <laughs> I can, I can picture this. I can so picture this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the what? <laughs> you know, the funny thing is that um, you know, now my family is completely out of fundamentalism. We're still dismantling like my, my siblings and my parents. And we actually just all got together, um, over 4th of July weekend. And it was, it was tough. There was work that had to be done and it felt like the, the tide turned for our family into a positive <sighs> Yeah, it was really good. There was some really long nights. Like, I don't, one night I think we went to bed at like 3 a.m. And I'm like, I, I can't do this anymore. Oh my God, I'm dying. <laughs> um, But, you know, and it was like, it was really, it was really nice to have kind of that healing moments in our family and like get some tough conversations that we've not able, we've never been able to have because mm -hmm. they wouldn't have been received prior. Mm -hmm. So, you know, um, so yeah, that, that was really good. That was really good for us. And so, um, yeah, just, oh, so I was going to say that's, I, I always do that. I like get on a thought and I keep going and I'm like, wait, what was I trying to say? <laughs> um, but my parents reaction to Jeremy, you know, is like, we, we don't do, I mean, he cooks every night. He's, you know, I don't cook. I work, you know, I, I do a lot of involvement with my kids. So I, a lot of times I'm working in the evenings. And so, you know, there's a lot of the household that falls on Jeremy and my, my, my parents love him. They think he's the greatest thing and they just love how supportive he is of me and my kids. And so that's been really nice to see. That's awesome. I was just thinking about an example this week. My sisters and I were discussing our parents' reactions to us as women, single, um, self-sufficient women, mm -hmm. and and then our relationships that we've gotten into. And I said something like, "Mom and Dad haven't been around a lot. That was that's a little weird. They just kind of poof." And she said, "Well, you are you're in. You've got someone." And I said, "What?" And she said, you have someone, they, they back off because you're taken care of. And I was like, oh, you are right. You're so right. So as soon as I had someone that they thought, quote unquote, quote, took care of me, then I was fine. I didn't need help anymore. Or I, I didn't, whatever. So it, it was an interesting, like, epiphany. Right. Even. Even at 40 years old, mm -hmm. uh, 
and having been married and divorced and have two kids and have my own business and all of those things, I still need to be taken care of. Right. And they don't need, they don't need to be around if you have a man around, right? Yes, or a partner exactly. around, right? Yeah. Yes. Like, yeah. Like, even if it's a new relationship, right? It's like, as soon right. as it, it gets there, it's like, okay, well, we can back yeah. off a little bit and see how he does. Yeah, that's. that's yeah. <laughs> like, oh. And we don't ascribe to gender roles either, but. Mm-hmm. And that would never be a thing for us, but it is for my parents. And it just blew my mind again that that was still present um, in, the in their process. thought process. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My husband told my dad that we, oh, I already did that one. Um, let's see. After my voice for my divorce. Oh, okay. My dad took me to lunch to tell me that I needed to get married again so that I could be under an umbrella. Oh. Protected. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my parents didn't go that far, but they they certainly felt like I was under their umbrella again. Yep. Especially since I lived with them for six months after that. Right. I mean, even my children came. I think we talked about this in another episode. Same thing. Even my children came under what dad felt like it was his umbrella of authority and that he had some say in it. My mom didn't particularly follow that along that line of thought, but dad did. And I said, Whoa, <laughs> I'm mom. <laughs> I get to decide. Yeah. And I'm not even sure that he even registered what he was doing. I don't think he did. Right. right. Yeah. yeah. It was just ingrained I think it's in his brain. Ingrained. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the funny thing about when I got divorced, um, my dad, um, he would work in the hospital that I was working at and occasionally he would take me to lunch. And one of the, I think first times he ever did that, we were, he was driving me back to, to work and he's like, you know, I know I used to say that divorce was never an option. He says, but I'm really proud of you. And I was like, oh, (laughs) thanks that's always nice to hear yes that's awesome yeah it was a hard hard road to get there but thanks i I appreciate that yeah so that was um that was interesting to to have your and he was still in fundamentalism you know Mm -hmm. and being able to see what i went through and change your thoughts even in it that divorce is sometimes necessary for safety, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. So I think my parents realized that it was necessary for safety in my situation. Although, so they've told me they were proud of me for leaving and they were glad that I did and that they would support me in whatever I needed to do. But I've also gotten some hints of things like if you had just followed our plan with courtship, you wouldn't have gotten yourself into that situation oh, in the first right, place. And right. we, you wouldn't have had that problem in, in the first place. Like this was because of your bad decision. Oh, well, yeah, there's always yeah. something that you could have done wrong. Yeah. to deserve yeah. the abuse that you mm-hmm. were getting. Right. Like, yeah, I'm not sure that they connected it with to the abuse. Like you deserved the abuse, but you certainly could have avoided all of this. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a fine line between <laughs> you dated and then you lived with him before you got married and this person was a non-believer. And so, you know, all, yes, all, I probably made some mistakes in those. I can see those things. I've, and I've told them I'll take, 
responsibility for my own mistakes. You know, I'm not going to say it wasn't, there weren't mistakes made, but still, <laughs> if you had just done courtship, you would have been soft. No, no. Not yeah. this are sneaky. <laughs> yeah. There's no way that anyone would have known. Uh, my my ex into. was a believer. Yeah. Yeah. It, is I mean, all it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. It doesn't, it doesn't matter. matter. Yeah. Mm -mm. It doesn't matter. They're real hard to spot and they're, they're, it's just hard. My husband just said divorce is not allowed because property cannot steal itself. What? <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, oh I'm not sure what that means. <laughs> I'm not getting it. <laughs> um, so I wanted you were the property. Oh, I, I don't know. It was. I'm guessing he was teasing Ashley. I don't know. I'm. I'm. I don't get his humor. I'm sorry. Um, I wanted to show y'all a little something that I worked on that I was going to put into our episodes, and I want to hear. I want to hear some feedback on if you like it or not. So, um, here we go. <laughs> if you haven't subscribed or shared, please do it now. So, uh, yeah, I just, I like it to get creative every once in a while. And, you know, on YouTube, it's very important for people to like, comment and share that way more people can see it because if you're not liking and you're not commenting and you're not sharing and subscribing, less people are going to be shown it. So it all, it's feeding the algorithm <laughs> so we can get out there and get more people involved in our community. Um, and hopefully reach a thousand subscribers soon because we are super close to getting that thousand subscriber threshold, which will help us to monetize the channel and get a little bit of income coming in to help support us and what we do here. And um, hopefully, you know, eventually build a community where we can take some of that money and help survivors. So if that is something you're interested in, or you know, anybody who might be interested and helping us in this, uh, please, you know, share. We appreciate it. I'd kind of like to hear if, if um, anybody watching today has suggestions in their own relationships after trauma, if they had a top 10 list or even a top yeah. three, that top three to five was mine of yeah. what was absolutely necessary. Um, you know, if you or have something your, like that. Or what your deal five. breakers were. You know, yeah, what, did you have any deal breakers? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so while we're waiting for anybody to want to chime in, um, I am, we're going to transition over to the next um, topic, but if anybody has, you know, any advice they want to share on the relationships, we'll jump back mm -hmm. to that topic if we need to. But I was told by my, my little sister um, that July is disability pride month. And this is the new disability pride flag. Um, previously to this thing, it was more of a zigzag, but it messed with people who had um, flash sensitivity for seizures and stuff. So they um, streamlined it, I guess, and made it a little less um, offensive to the eyes. So I wanted to kind of just review what the flag means. And I have to find my document that I had um, because the reason this was important to, for us to share um, 
this month is because a lot of survivors of abuse, whether it be spiritual, religious, you know, emotional, physical, um, you know, if you have experienced that in your childhood, (laughs) there are some chronic conditions that seem to go hand in hand with that. So, um, and a lot of our survivors that we talk to are dealing with chronic conditions. My sister is one of them that deals with chronic conditions and she's navigating some, you know, really big health things for, you know, a young 20 something year old. And so this is kind of near and dear to my heart to share. So, um, the disability, so, um, the disabilities act was signed by president George H W Bush on July 26th of 1990, which I, I never realized, like, I guess how new the disabilities act was, if you, you know, 1990, you know, doesn't seem like that long ago. Um, so, and then in that same year, Boston held the first disability pride day. So the disability pride flag was a collaborative design effort by Anne Magill, a disabled woman with feedback from the disabled community to refine its visual elements. Cause like I said, it had that zigzag. It was, um, hard for flash sensitive people so the black field a color of mourning and rage for those who are victims of ableist violence and also rebellion to rebellion and protest so i like that it's about well hand in hand with the the umbrella rebellion Mm -hmm. (laughs) um the five colors uh the variety of needs and experiences and visible undiagnosed disabilities, uh, physical disabilities, neurodivergence, psychiatric disabilities, sensory disabilities, and then the parallel stripes, um, solidarity within the disability community and all its differences. And the diagonal band is cutting across barriers that separate disabled people, creativity, and light cutting through the darkness. Oh, I like that. I like, I like that. that too. I like that a lot. Yeah. Oh, there's Tracy. I'm so sorry. I'm just now getting here. I wanted to be here for the whole thing, but I had to work late. Oh, I'm so sorry, Tracy. But you can catch it on replay. We just kind of went through the whole, you know, relationships after trauma, um, you know, based on your, your question. And thank you so much for submitting that. Um, you know, and obviously, if there's anything in particular that you wanted to ask about, um, or you can go back and listen to it on double time and catch up. I don't know. <laughs> we might be done before you, you get caught up. I don't know. So, yeah, but yeah. We could just it too. We could, we could address it too. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah. Um, let's see. Um, Ashley says equal partner in household work and cooking. Good communication. Never leaves me wondering where I stand or. Uh, when I'll hear from him next doesn't play games. Yeah. Those are yeah. super yeah. important. Super important. Yeah. 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 Um, the the partnership and truthfulness absolutely has to be willing to speak with me clearly and yeah, no playing games. It's gotta be brutal honesty. <laughs> okay. So I um was talking with my brother while he was in town at our um family reunion, I guess. And we, I, we were talking about, you know, the chronic conditions and how trauma can, um, 
mm-hmm. be the catalyst for some of these chronic conditions. And he shared with me some studies and I'm going to pop these links in the chat and um, they will be there for you to access. I'll also put them in the description. Um, so on this, and it's a lot of studies, so it, you can read through them and stuff, but I just kind of wanted to highlight some of the um, findings or important parts of the studies that I um, found. And it's this one here that I just linked. It says exposure to childhood trauma was associated with a six-fold increase um, risk of CFS, which is chronic fatigue syndrome, which is a mm-hmm. common, um, dis- you know, chronic condition that is very prevalent in the abuse survivor community. Mm-hmm. So the next one is let's see. Hmm. Gotta figure out my little where I'm going. I have so many windows open. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, All right. I like that it said the invisible disabilities because mm-hmm. I feel like that something like that or mental disability mental um I don't know if I call it a disability, but mental health issues come with the trauma too. And those are invisible. The data that you can't see. The anxiety, the depression. Yeah. You know, sometimes, you know, for uh, some autism spectrum disorders also can be an invisible disability. Mm -hmm. I I have a child on the spectrum and Mm -hmm. a lot of times I got the response, well, he doesn't look autistic. And I'm like, so show me a picture of what autism looks like. Yeah. Yeah. Or ADD. I have um, siblings with it. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I wonder if I don't have it as well. Although um, I was high enough function that it, that it didn't and I was also the oldest, so I was expected help most. So I didn't come out as much. But the other day, got just for example, got a new car. It has all kinds of new buttons, right? Somebody was sitting there with me. Partner was sitting there with me trying to help me figure out this new computer button. And I was ADD in it like you wouldn't believe. Like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh squirrel, oh, squirrel, oh, squirrel. <laughs> it's got a spike, like a skylight thing. <laughs> There was no finishing anything in the car. I was just all, all over the place. It's like definitely ADD in it tonight. Like I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I you know, we've talked about how I was undiagnosed as a child and I just recently went on stimulants um to help mm-hmm. me. And I'm still trying to figure out how to manage that because I I the sleep disturbance is um you know, really hard when you take it too late. And I'm, and it's like, because of the way my schedule works, it's like, if I don't take it before I do the next thing, I forget to take it. And then it's like three o'clock before I think of it again. And I'm like, Oh man, I'm Mm going to have a really long night. And I didn't take my meds and now I'm going to (laughs) suffer. I feel that way driving these cars. There's so many geegaws and doodads. (laughs) We we have um, coined the phrase ADHD by proxy because there's so many people in our house that have ADHD. Jeremy pretty much has it by proxy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, The other, the next link that I shared, um, my takeaways from it that I got, um, I think it was in the findings is. Um, this is the first study to demonstrate that early childhood trauma predicts increased levels of core symptoms of CFS 
in the daily flow of life. Moreover, findings of the study suggest that emotional trauma may be particularly important to CFS. Um, I wonder if that's because your cortisol levels, your fight or flight is so high for so long that your body is just, it just worn out. Um, I've had people tell me that before with both from the cult and from the abuse that my system was just depleted. Like there, it just didn't have any more to give. And that was where a lot of my fatigue was coming. I wasn't diagnosed with that, but same idea. Right. Um, I mean, in, in, the thing with some of the studies is that the cortisol was a key component in some of these studies mm-hmm. and they were measuring the cortisol levels. Um, mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's something to look at. I know I was doing a diet um, a while back that was supposed to um, reduce the cortisol levels. Um, mm-hmm. It's really, really hard to maintain, but mm-hmm. it's something I want to look into again. Um, so... Mm-hmm. Um, if anybody has, you know, any experience with chronic, you know, stuff and, um, you know, you have any resources or, you know, things you want to share about it, please do. Um, Tracy said, just a random question. I know that pretty much everyone in my family has many invisible illnesses. My friends have, uh, them. My fiance has them. Do you think we attract each other? Um, yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, <clears throat> like draws to like, so, um, and it feels normal. It feels normal to have to. I know that for me, I've had um, dating relationships or friends or whatever that felt normal at the time because that's where I came from. That's how my family felt. And so it felt normal to me. So that's where I went. It took a while for me to um, be able to see it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think also with neurodivergence, it's so much more talked about now. Yes. And I, I I don't think it's more prevalent. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, but then when you're dealing with people who have been abuse survivors, some of the conditions are more prevalent because it's a, you know, it's a reaction to what they experienced, right? So, and so you find people who you could relate to and who can empathize with where you are and what you're dealing with. And that feels comfortable and that feels supportive, right? So I think that's what draws us together is because we can understand each other like Marcy. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing at all because then you can support each other. Cause then, then it doesn't, you don't just look like the crazy person that is going nuts with anxiety, high anxiety that day, because that person may not be having anxiety that day, but they know they've, they do it too. And so they know where you are and they know why you're reacting the way you are. And so they're able to even you out and you could do the same thing for them. And that just, hopefully you don't go high anxiety both together. <laughs> right. But, you know, so a story about Marcy and, and and me from last week when she was going through all of the the AC breaking, the the lawnmower breaking, yeah. the car breaking, yeah. and he was telling me about it. And then I was like, I switched gears, and I'm like, so podcast, blah 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 blah, and I'm like, wow, I just kind of like totally bypassed everything, and I'm like, so sorry, I like said all of that. 
I really wasn't trying to dismiss what you're going through. I'm sorry. I feel I feel what you're you're saying, and I want to acknowledge it. And she's like, I speak D. It's fine. And I'm like, oh god, thank, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I speak D. I know this language. It's fine. I didn't take any offense. I just noodled right with her. <laughs> So it's like most people, like if you don't like acknowledge, like they're, they're having a crazy day and they're, you know, and you like move on to the next topic, they might be offended, but she's like, she knows that I have to get my thoughts on paper and out. And then, and then I can address because if I don't get it out, then the ADD is going to make me forget, you know? So, yeah. And I think that's, you know, Tracy, to, to your point, I think that's why we do draw those people into our lives is because they're they're safe people, you know, that we can be ourselves with because neurotypical people have a hard time understanding us. I think mm-hmm. we, may, mm-hmm. we may have a total of like two neurotypical people in our family between mm-hmm. my siblings and parents and our, all of our kids. And I think there's like 23, 26 of us. I don't know. So um, yeah, there's not much neurotypical in our in our DNA. So, <laughs> you know, um, yeah. All right. So the next study I wanted to share, um, is this link here. And so this, I think this one was a really long one and there was a lot of information. So I'm just going to kind of take this snippet and read it. So, um, children with four or more, unexplained medical symptoms are common Uh, symptoms are common accounting for 17 percent of patients presenting to an outside child neurology clinic and are associated with higher prevalence of adverse childhood experiences so basically they're saying like if a child has four or more like unexplained symptoms that they come and into the doctor's office and say, I, you know, I'm experiencing this, 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 and this. So they had 17% more chance of having a adverse childhood experience, trauma, um, witnessing trauma, um, you know, anything like that. Um, these symptoms are likely to be related to nervous system that has adapted to chronic stress, whereby psychological dysregulation impairs the ability to control and effectively regulate all the functions of the nervous system, emotional processing, sleep-wake cycles, uh, autotomic functions, digestion, motor function, and sensory perception. Nervous system dysregulation may represent the common denominator accounting for frequent comorbidities, which like um, co-diagnoses, Uh, shared by depression, migraine, and PTSD. Further, it challenges the intellectual paradigm that psychosomatic symptoms, which are like the ones that don't have a root cause and they're just in your head, right, Um, are physiological or all in the head and suggest that and suggest they are instead the result of a new psychological baseline characterized by dysregulation, dysregulated autotom. I got to increase the, I, I'm like, this is really, this is really small and I can't read it. And I'm like, I can just see it bigger, <laughs> dummy. <laughs> Autonomic circuitry 
and hormonal responses from chronic stress. A nervous system wired for threat is unable to maintain its important functions for repair, restoration, and health. So all of that in a nutshell is that trauma and stress kind of short circuit your brain and cause it to not be able to go through the normal processes of childhood development that helps you when you're learning how to, what was it? Um, do, 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 do. When you're learning how to regulate everything. Yeah. The emotional processing, yeah. your sleep wake cycles, mm -hmm. which some of these studies were talking about um, the sleep deprivation that happens in chronic illnesses and mm -hmm. um and that's a very very that's one of the most common things is um being affected with sleep is from the more trauma you have the more sleep deprived you are mm -hmm. one thing that um that my counselor told me with the trauma is that like we were talking about cortisol levels and how that affects all of this. She said that your, your brain will get used to getting that shot of cortisol every now and then. And we may have talked about this before. Stop me if we did, but um, you, it'll get used to having that quick high of the cortisol and go into fight or flight. And, uh, and after a while it thinks it's supposed to have it all the time. So as you're coming out of healing, then your brain says, Oh, all of this is going down. This feels weird. This, this isn't right. This feels strange because you're calm and I need that cortisol. The cortisol is supposed to be up here because that's where you've been living in the trauma. And so as you come down here, your body says, Oh no, I need a shot. Let's create drama. Let's create something. Um, and so you, you might find yourself reacting to something or creating, uh, uh, oh my gosh, it's the end of the world type of thing over some catastrophic small. thinking, right? Like yeah, we were talking about before. Because your yeah. brain's trying to get back up here to where the, where it thinks that cortisol level needs to be. And so she said, watch your, for yourself as you're coming down, down, as you're trying to calm it, your body and trying to get down to a more regular level. And if you feel yourself working yourself up, then just deep breathe and try to remind yourself of that fact that it's, this is not that big of a deal. We don't need the cortisol to go up that high. Just keep it in mind. And it took me a while. It took me a while to see it happening. It took me a while to be able to breathe myself through it. Mm -hmm. And then it, it it took me a while to, to realize when I was amping myself up, you know, when I was catastrophizing or whatever. So um, <clears throat> that makes sense with, the, with some of these things that you're reading. I'm just realizing that I pretty much experienced that today because mm -hmm. of like a three email like sandwich from you know somebody and i was like this thing was probably not as big of a deal but it was like you know it just compounded on some other issues that i was having and i was okay. just like i'm so pissed off like i'm just ready to like mm -hmm. do something ridiculous right like yeah yes and how I knew I was getting better at it. And it's also hard to, it's also hard to track. It's hard to see it happening. It's hard to, mm -hmm. to get yourself to stop. And it's hard to realize when you have stopped it completely and, mm -hmm. and, or stopped it some, I don't know if you're going to ever stop it completely, but it just happened less and less. And so what, one way that I figured out that I was doing it less and less was that if something <gasps> happened that I didn't say, oh. I, I was more able to say, deep breathe this let's think this through logically and i didn't it didn't 
my body didn't automatically say, oh, cool. Yeah. It yeah. just stayed level. And I was like, hey, small victories. So if you're having small victories like that, then good for you. Sometimes it's just the tiniest things in a day. Yeah. I mean, for sure. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. All right. So I put in another link. And so the takeaway from this one was um, child maltreatment is associated with a dysregulated <sighs> pattern of psychological reactivity consistent with theoretical conceptualizations of threat, but not previously examined in relation to maltreatment, suggesting a more nuanced pattern of stress reactivity than predicted by current theoretical models. So basically, in a nutshell, it's still being studied and we're not sure. And it's all kind of a wishy-washy, mishmashy thing. And we're trying to figure it out. And so we have to do more studies. That's what I got on that is <laughs> typical of anything brain. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, all right. So we have one more that we're going to share. And we're almost at an hour. So um, I think we're going to try and wrap up as best we can. Um, huh. Do we have any comments we need to address? Um, I don't think so. Oh, no. we had my husband commented a second ago. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm 100% neurotypical either. <laughs> should, you should get that checked out, hon. <laughs> oh, I think I did this wrong. Me, um, I'm going to repost that link because I'm not sure that it went through on both things um all right so let's see the takeaway from this last one is childhood traumatic stress increased the likelihood of hospitalization with a diagnosed autoimmune disease decades into adulthood these findings are consistent with recent biological studies on the impact of early life stress on subsequent inflammatory responses so um a lot of i think the autoimmune diseases and i think rheumatoid arthritis is one of um the one they're correlating i think the most in cfs with childhood mm -hmm. trauma from what i was reading on these studies i could be wrong mm -hmm. so don't quote me um but you know the inflammation factor and it all goes in hand in hand with the the cortisol levels as well because when your cortisol mm -hmm. levels are higher inflammation is higher as well mm -hmm. um you know and i experienced a period of chronic pain i have um herniated discs in my neck um they're not mm -hmm. like or they're bulging they're not herniated but they're bulging and so mm -hmm. a lot of people can live with that and they have no pain my pain was excruciating. And I think it was because of the amount of stress that I was under while having that, you know, and as my stress levels subsided, so did my pain. So yeah. mm -hmm. self-care is important. Yeah. Yes, it is. I have chronic pain as well. Neck and shoulders, um, chronic muscle pain. And, um, and I can tell it'll go down with with stress or it'll go up with stress. Um, it does never completely go away, but I think, and that chronic pain started when I was at headquarters, what do you know? <laughs> when you're under the most stress. Yep. That's when it was the worst. Oh, well, well, that's when it, I remember it starting, like it being just, it started affecting my sleep. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So one last thing for us to share. We have a Spotify playlist and um, we have one collaborator that is collabing with us and we've tried to add a few songs, but if there are any songs you would like for us to add that are important to you have been very meaningful in your recovery and, or if you're not in recovery from, you know, trauma and uh, cults and you want to share something with us, you know, as an outsider that you think would be helpful, let us know, give us a, you know, put a a suggestion in the comments, um, send us a, message on the socials and say hey add this to your playlist um so or if you want to be a collaborator let me know and i'll add you so i really hope that you know our information on relationships was you know helpful to you and how we've kind of navigated that in our lives um you know everybody is different so you know do what works for you and if our advice is not helpful, please don't use it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. You do you, boo. <laughs> yeah. We, we are not help, experts we here. <laughs> what did you say? I said, if we can help you, we will help if you. Help you. Yeah. yeah. You do you. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, yeah. So we're not experts. We, you know, so just take what we say with a grain of salt and um, try it out. And if you don't like it, don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) So I think with that, we are going to go ahead and sign off for the night. We thank you so much for being here with us and everybody that is listening on the audio podcast. Don't forget that we have a YouTube that you can go and we show a lot of the things that we're looking at when we're on the YouTube. So the things that we are reading, you can actually read with us. Um, so come over to, to the YouTubes and join us there. If you want, uh, we appreciate everybody that listens. Thank you for subscribing, leave reviews and comments and likes and feed that algorithm and share with people that might like our content as well. So have a great night, everybody. And don't forget Mm -hmm. to come join the rebellion. Bye. Bye.